Hello, my name's Joe. Welcome to the Joe Martino Show. I'm so excited to talk to you today, and to be honest, I'm a little nervous. Today we're going to talk about an exciting new program called the 5K to the Couch. Maybe you've heard about the Couch to the 5K, but today I'm going to talk to you about the 5K to the Couch and something that you can be on the lookout for in your own life. Let's kick it off. You're listening to the Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, I'm not going to lie. This is a session that, actually, it's not a session. See, that's so much part of my lingo. This is a episode that I am a little concerned to share. This will actually be probably the sixth or seventh time that I have recorded this topic. As many of you know, I'm working on us on another book, my second book, uh, the working title of which is Taming the Tempest. It deals with dealing with the story in our head, you know, letting go of the narrative in our head, putting it down so that we can actually become the people that we were created to be. And as we engage that idea, one of the things that I did, and you know, if you've written a book or if you've ever written anything big as far as you know, volume, one of the things you have to do is you have to work on the structure of how things happen. And so you pull out the different chapters, you write out chapter summaries, you write out ideas. And one of the ideas that I kind of hit upon was what I called the five from the 5K to the couch, mostly because I'm trying to do a play on words there for the, for the very famous program known as the couch to the 5K. If you're not aware of what that is, what it is is, is you, if you want to start running a 5K and you're not a runner, what you do is you follow their program that takes you, quote, from the couch to the 5 And what I have noticed, and as I talk to other therapists, they too have noticed, is there's kind of that program in reverse when it comes to what happens with with our services. Quite often, we will find a, a reverse where someone will go from a 5K to a couch. So now I need to get a few disclaimers in there. I was, I was at dinner with very good friends of ours one time, and I was explaining this, and uh one of them said, well, now I'm offended. And the more I talk, the more offended they got. And uh, she actually said, well, what about hunting? Couldn't you say from hunting to the couch? And I would absolutely agree with that. So if you get offended at some point in this, don't turn it off. Listen to me all the way to the end. And I think we'll probably come to some sort of agreement. That's assuming that I can get my throat to cooperate and allow me to talk without making all of these strange noises. And if we have time, I do have a question. Someone wrote in and asked about meds Uh, for a 12-year-old, and so we are going to discuss that. Got a lot of feedback on my sports post, a couple questions there that we'll follow up with over the upcoming weeks. I do want to let you know uh, we did finish our marriage conference just two weeks ago, about 10 days ago. The parenting conference registration form is up. Go to www.joemartino.com forward slash parenting. If you can't remember that, just go to joemartino.com, click on the tab parenting. The beautiful thing about this is is that we're going to take two hours one weekend a month, one Saturday a month, and we're going to cover two topics. In this initial one, we're going to copy topics such as anxiety with your children, how you can help your child deal with his or her anxiety, how you can deal with your anxiety based on their anxiety. We want to help you have a more peaceful, more emotionally whole experience. And we're going to do that by helping you better understand how anxiety works and how you can create systems that help lower the anxiety level in your house. It's going to be awesome. I know it's going to be helpful. We're having the Wizard of Lowell come and guest lecture on that one. If you don't know who the Wizard of Lowell is, let me tell you, I know who she is and you'll enjoy her.
The first conference is going to be Saturday, April 13th. If you live local, that is right after spring break is over. We figure right after that, somebody's going to want to talk about this parenting thing. As we're moving into the summer, uh, we're, we're going to still do these one weekend a month, two hours, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Come in, get some information, get some helpful tips, helpful tools, and go on out. Where you come in at is our low office, and that's located... Uh, right across from Goodwill in Lowell. If you're in Grand Rapids, sometimes I know my Grand Rapids people think, man, Lowell's such a long drive. I'll tell you what, this time of year, it's a beautiful drive. Just register. Uh, come on in. It is a wonderful time. You're going to love it. It's going to be helpful. And we're going to give you tools that will help you have great relationships with your children, emotionally secure relationships with your children. There is a small cost to it. If one person comes, it's $20. If you bring two people, the second person gets in for 10 You do not have to be married or even have kids together to take advantage of that. Uh, you just have to be close enough to allow one person to pay for it. Then you trust them to split the $15 with you. So two people for 30 one person for 20 Bring your coffee. We have some coffee here. We don't have food, so bring your food. We might have a few donuts if you like a sugar rush, but show up and we're going to help you. We're going to deal with that. And then we're going to deal with consequences that work. Less severe consequences, more repeatable. How do you engage in less severe uh, consequences so that they're more repeatable so that you can teach your children? Uh, an ancient writer once wrote, train your child in the way that he or she should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. We have to break down that word train. What does that mean? How do we do that? So that's what that parenting conference is going to be. I also do want to put on your radar, uh, we've been talking a lot about a marriage retreat, an intensive marriage retreat where you and four or five other couples go away for a weekend with us. And we have just, let me just be honest with you, we have run into more frustration in scheduling that than in anything we've done in the history of our company. It's just been infuriatingly frustrating. We've had things locked down and then it didn't work. Uh, we had one date locked down and then they were like, oh, whoops, we double booked and you lose and all this stuff. And so we're going to change it. We're, we're, we're done hitting our head against the wall. What we want to offer you is a marriage boot camp. And so this marriage boot camp, which kind of, I don't really like that term. I, I Boot camp means you're going to war and we're not going to war. Maybe we are going to war. We're going to fight for our marriage. I don't know. We'll have to think that through. But this is a one-on-one -on -one weekend with you and myself and my wife. Two couples max. If you're interested, go to joemartino.com, click the contact me page, fill it out, and let us know that you're interested. If it's just going to be yourself or one other couple, we're going to go away for a weekend. We're going to have time where the four of us or the six of us sit down and talk in a group form. We're going to break off uh, and talk about in some individual therapy-like things. We're going to do some couples uh, coaching, you know, if, if ladies, if your husband's like, I'm not going to coaching, I'm not going to marriage counseling because rah, 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 I'm too tough or whatever. That's a whole nother day. That's a whole nother podcast that I do want to get into. But if that's, if that's what your whoever is, that's okay. This, this doesn't have to be marriage counseling. It's marriage coaching. It is helping people have relationships that rock. We're going to talk about everything. How do you communicate better? How do you handle your finances? What do you dream about? What are you afraid of? How do you have sex that actually makes the paint peel off the walls? Even if it already is. Seriously, we're going to talk about your entire relationship. We want to drill it down. We want to give you tools that you can leave that weekend with that are customized to you and your spouse and your relationship and how you can improve them. If you're interested in that, right now what we're doing is we're just kind of feeling out who's interested in that. Write us, let us know. We'll start a dialogue with you via email or phone, whichever works better for you. 
and we will get you that information. And then what we'll do is collaboratively, we'll pick a weekend that works for your family, works for my family, my family being my wife and I, and we will go somewhere. Ideally, we'll go someplace where we can camp. If you want to camp, we'd encourage that. If not, you can get a hotel. Uh, we like the camping idea because we like you being able to see the stars. We like you being able to get disconnected from all the distractions around you. But we can accomplish that in a hotel as well if we need to. Uh, we will work those details out with you. Just let us know that you're interested. If you're interested, but you're like, that's a little too much work having to reach out to you to contact you, that's okay too. We'll engage that in a different way in the very near future. That will have its own web page and that will be running uh, smoothly. Right now we're in talks with a website developer to kind of just improve our websites. So I'm not in quite the rush to produce with the platform that we currently have. Hopefully that makes sense to you. All right, so we talked about that. Let's talk about the 5K to the couch program. So a lot of people have found value in exercise. This is not an anti-exercise rant. I enjoy exercise. I enjoy working out. I enjoy boxing. There are a lot of things that I enjoy related to exercise. I do want to talk about a phenomenon that we have observed in our practice that I've talked to other therapists about that they've observed. And it's it's basically a pretty straight line uh process one step to the next to the next which is oftentimes people who either have a trauma that is known right so they had a trauma in their youth that is known maybe a disconnected parent an emotionally abusive parent a fixed physically abusive parent a toxic parent those types of things they have a trauma that is known or a trauma that isn't known and that might be something like i feel overwhelmed as a parent i don't feel like i am doing uh, what I was made to do. I feel like my life is in shambles. I feel like everything I've worked for is falling apart. A lot of times what will happen is at first they, they go through all the stages of grief. They go through all the stages of trauma and then they end up uh, usually on one of two paths. The first one is they try to ignore it and it doesn't exist or they make it their identity, right? So those are two extremes. There's a whole spectrum there that a person could sit on either one extreme is they're ignoring it the other extreme is it's become their identity sometimes you'll meet people who they will do mean things they'll do rude things they'll do awkward things and their excuse is always well you don't know the trauma that i've had uh, when i worked at a local mental hospital i would hear that a lot as an excuse for why people mistreated their peers or people around them. Well, you don't understand the trauma that I've been through. And so that's one, and that becomes their identity. That, that becomes, it's not that they went through something. Their trauma becomes who they are. At the other end of that, they just ignore it. There's nothing that happened to them. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing going on. And so that leads to also equal problems. In the middle, there's a whole bunch of stuff, right? There's a whole bunch of different ways on that spectrum that we deal with trauma, that we deal with disappointment, that we deal with pain in life. Wherever they're at on that spectrum, they have really only two choices. They can soothe their trauma, they can soothe their pain, or we can process our pain. So I, I have a choice. I can, I can soothe it, right? I could drink myself into oblivion, and that is trying to soothe my pain, or I can process it. And that is always painful. But the truth is, so is soothing. They're both painful. They're both uncomfortable. And they both come out of trauma of some sort or another. Either trauma that's known, trauma that makes sense, 
or some sort of trauma that isn't known that maybe people looking from the outside, it doesn't make sense to. But to me, going through it, it makes perfect sense. Maybe their parents were like, from the outside, looked like good parents. Maybe they, you know, showed up. Maybe they were a successful teacher, a successful nurse. Uh, so that, and I only use those professions because those are professions that are contributing in a, in a way that's considered altruistic to society. They're, they're developing people around them. And yet at home, they were monsters. Maybe their father was a pastor, their mother was a pastor. And at home, that person was a monster. Or maybe their mother or father wasn't in any altruistic field, but at home they were a monster. And so they grow up, they become an adult who's walking around with this hurt, this trauma. Maybe they made a lot of bad choices. Maybe they went through the death of a parent and that was the trauma. And in order to soothe it, they went and made a lot of bad choices. They got into drugs, alcohol. Uh, they were engaging and just giving their body away, uh, trying to soothe the pain that they were in. Maybe somebody sexually assaulted them. And so they have this trauma and they either ignore it or they make it part of their identity. What happens is at some point they realize that doesn't work. That that isn't, that the ignoring it isn't working. Sorry, I need to clarify that. The ignoring it isn't working. And that's usually because even if it becomes our identity, we still swing to that other extreme and we're soothing through destructive behavior, right? Uh, we're controlling everything in our environment. Uh, we, we have a string of broken relationships because we're trying to use relationships to soothe this trauma. Uh, we feel like we're failing it as a parent, so we scream at our kids uh, because they're making a mess, and, and, and that creates more feeling that we're failing, so we scream some more, and that vicious cycle spins. And what happens is people feel like they get stuck, and they feel like it doesn't matter what they do. They get the same results, and they're just churning, and it's painful, and it hurts and it's not positive way to move forward. And so what happens is, is they feel like they lose control of their life and this becomes its own trauma. And so they feel like they're out of control. And so they start to try to soothe again, but they try, they, they typically will at least dabble in trying different things. And what happens is, is often at some point they'll be introduced to a hobby. It could be reading. Reading is one of the number one ways that people escape reality. It could be games, right? Whether they're board games, video games, or whatever. But for the purpose of this program, the 5K to the couch, it's oftentimes it's exercise. They go to the gym and exercising feels good. If you've never gotten an endorphin rush from working out, you don't know what you're missing. I mean that sincerely. It's awesome. And working out helps you feel like you're in control. Running helps you feel like you're in control. You control whether or not you take the next step. There are no kids to cry. There are no kids that need their butt change. Can I just tell you one thing that nobody ever told me about before I became a parent? You wipe your kids behind for a long time. Like I got it when they were in diapers. But even after diapers, you have to go away. And like one time I'm eating and my son's like, dad, I pooped. Can you wipe my butt? Dude, that's disgusting. Nobody in the gym. In the gym, when I'm in the gym, I have headphones on. I'm listening to music and it's just me and my world. And it feels good. Here's the problem. Often, exercise will become the identity. Reading will become the identity. Binge-watching TV shows will become the identity. Hunting will become the identity. Uh, games, video games will become the identity. Religious activities will become the identity. I cannot tell you how many people I have met who are angry with God because they got involved in their church 
and then God didn't do something that as far as I know, he never promised to do, which is deal with their trauma magically, and then they get mad at God. Because that's invariably what happens, right? So the person starts working out, they feel good, they start running. We'll just pick on the runners because I'm not a runner. Uh, If you ever see me running, make sure that you start running too because something bad is behind me. And so they start running, they start exercising, and they're trying to answer a core question about themselves and their trauma through exercise. What they're doing is they're now soothing with a positive activity. And in and of itself, that isn't bad. But often, it isn't helpful because there's a difference between soothing and processing. We're still caught between the two extremes. So in my book, I created these two fictitious characters, which are an amalgamation of characters. I know Holly and Harry, and they meet in college, and everything's good as long as everything goes all right. But Holly comes from a family that's very toxic. Her mom is very disruptive. Her mom is mean. In fact, her family just kind of treated her like a second-class citizen. Harry comes from a family that's less obviously toxic, but still toxic. They don't deal with conflict. They don't actually talk about their emotions. They just work. And everything in their relationship works fine while they're in college, while they're dating, even when they're engaged and they get married. And everything's good until they have children. And it's usually the second or third child because then what happens is is they don't have a paradigm to deal with someone that isn't moved by their intensity, by their soothing. And so what happens in the book is Harry, he gets frustrated with Holly. Holly gets frustrated with Harry because she's reacting strongly to the kids and he doesn't know why. So she gets into exercise and she starts to run. And she runs more and she exercises more and she chases that endorphin rush and she chases those 45 minutes of ignoring her pain. That's the key verb, ignoring. I know I want to be really clear on this. I'm not against exercise. I'm not against reading. I love both. I often tell my clients, hey, do you like to exercise? Could you walk for X amount of minutes three times a week? Could you go to the gym? Could you run? Whatever it is that I can get them moving. I'm all for that. I love reading. I was joking with somebody. I'm in a leadership group and I was joking with somebody the other day. I have a firm rule that I don't read more than 12 books at once. I love it. In fact, as soon as I'm done recording this podcast and it's all edited, I'm going to read for 15 minutes because I schedule reading into my day as a purposeful self-development thing. So I love reading. I'm not against that. I'm not against exercise. Running seems a little crazy to me, but if you want to do that, that's your business. It's when we start to use those things to ignore, we go from the 5K to the couch because exercise doesn't solve anything. Reading rarely solves anything. You could read a self-help book and that book could give you some tools to solve something. So that's why I have to use the word rare. And then what really helps is they'll set a goal. So for, you know, I'll talk to people. I needed to change my taste buds and how I felt about eating junk food to healthy food. So I went and I set a goal of eating one apple a day for a hundred days. I went and set a goal of eating a pound of vegetables a day for a hundred days And that helped me reset my taste buds. And so a lot of times people will get involved in something and become a goal. Maybe if they're readers, they'll get involved in a Goodreads reading challenge. How many books can you read in a year? If they're running, uh, you know, I'm going to run a 5K or I'm going to run a 25K or I'm going to run every day for a year or whatever it is. And none of those things are bad in and of themselves. I want to be clear on that. But if we use those things to hide from our pain, we're in trouble because they won't actually help us heal. And everything we do should be about helping us heal or we're gonna be stuck. 
And there's a story in their head that drives this. There's a story in their head that causes them to think this is the better way. Maybe there's a stigma associated with counseling and processing their pain. Maybe there is a stigma in their own head that has nothing to do with counseling. It's just, I don't need anyone else's help. Often that's, that's what it is. Or the story in their head is, I can't trust anyone else, even if I do need their help. And so they engage in these healthy things that are actually unhealthy for them because they use it to hide away from their pain and pain that's untreated becomes a disease and disease that's untreated becomes gangrene and gangrene that becomes untreated kills. Period. Every time. And so what happens is, is they get involved in running. They run their 5K, their 25K. They run every day for 100 years. They read 374 books in 356 days. And they're still unhappy. They're still miserable. They're still in pain. They're still crying out for someone to help them. And the story in their head then becomes, it's not the trauma, it's not the pain, it's you. There's something fundamentally wrong with you. There's something that's causing you to be a loser. I, I, I mean, I talked to a person one time, her first husband cheated on her. The guy that she dated after that uh, was not a good guy, treated her very inappropriately. The third guy treated her very inappropriately. And she said, it's me. And I was like, okay, if you mean it's you and that you continually pick guys that are just like your dad, I wouldn't disagree. But your dad injured you. It's like he broke your leg and you're trying to pretend that it won't work. And you, when I talk this, you know, I like to, to kind of vet out the stories that I'm going to use in my books with people. People will often say to me, well, what about money? Isn't that a way that we soothe? Absolutely. Or, or prestige or job placement or promotions. Anything that we're doing that causes us to ignore the pain, that the trauma that happened that created the pain is dangerous. And so we go from the 5K to the couch, because at some point, and I think this is more true of runners and people who are exercising, I'm not sure why, but at least anecdotally, as I look, that means I don't have a large sample size, by the way. When I say anecdotally, I mean it's not real research. It's just my research of keeping track of numbers of people that I see. The people who go into exercise, they're usually a little bit more clear that they're going into exercise, at least at some level, to what they think is solve the pain from their earlier trauma rather than soothe it, and they realize that it didn't work, so then they start to look for other options, right? So what's the answer? I, I, I hope that I've convinced you that there is a lot of good things that we do that are actually bad for us, and that, that occurs anytime we move from soothing in a proper way, right? So if you have an injury, there is a way to soothe it properly. You stay, like, let's say you twist your ankle. You stay off it. You keep it elevated. I just read this week that there is some controversy over whether or not you should ice it. So I'm going to stay away from that one. I skipped that day of physical therapy school or the research school that they came out and said, well, wait a second. But there are things that still people agree on. You soothe it properly. And we can do that. Exercise as part of a program to engage our pain can be a proper soothing thing. Reading can be a proper soothing thing. A lot of benefits to reading, even if you're reading fiction, a lot of benefits that it does for your brain. Uh, even watching TV. I'm not anti-watching shows. That can be a bonding experience for people. That can be a healing experience for people. That can be a positively processing experience for people. But anytime that we're using those things to numb we're, and to the exclusion of dealing with, right? So if we numb over dealing with, we're in trouble. We're in pain that we're not actually processing. The answer is to process. 
And maybe that does involve therapy. Maybe it's going to someone and just saying, you know what, you hurt me. For most of the time, I think it is going to therapy because you have to develop, most people have to develop some sort of vocabulary, some sort of work method to process through their pain. They have to understand it. They need someone else to help them hear, recognize what they're hearing in the story in their head. And so they run through that. They look, They need to step back and they need to debate the story in their head. They need to look at the story in their head. They need to process the things that run around the story in their head. And if they can do that, then they're usually moving forward in a way that's healthy. And that's not a one-size-fits-all. There are people who go to therapy, they find some movement on their goals, they stop, they take a year or two and they go back and people are like, see, therapy didn't work. I would argue that's not true. I don't go to the doctor today. Let's say I went to the doctor today for because I had a cold and he, you know, they wouldn't do anything for that. So let's say I went because I had, I don't know, something that they would do something about. It's not like, you know, in three years, if something comes back up or something else comes up, well, I'm not going to the doctor because it didn't work last time. We would call that foolishness. So one of the ways that we engage the process, one of the ways that we need to work through our own problems is we have to process them. We have to admit that they're there. We have to admit that they shape us, shape our view. And then we have to look at behaviors that come from them. And the only way that I know to do that is we either get a mentor or we get into counseling. And sometimes for people, a mentor is great. A mentor, mentor is all they need. Sometimes they need a mentor and a counselor. Sometimes all they need is a counselor. Sometimes as part of the process of counseling, they'll get a mentor. But they engage the process to start looking at what's the story going on in my head? How am I making this work? What's happening? And how do I change it so that my trauma is neither my identity, nor did I ignore it. Your trauma isn't you. You're not the sum of your trauma. If your spouse committed suicide, it wasn't your fault. If your best friend committed suicide, it wasn't your fault. I know people who've gone through that. If your parents treated you poorly, and they talked badly to you, and they told you you were stupid, and you weren't your brother... That's not on you until you let it become your identity. If you don't like being a mom, that's okay. If you feel like you have to be perfect to be the perfect mom, A, you're wrong, and B, it's okay. You have zero control over the trauma that happened to you. I would argue you have very little control over the initial feelings that you feel. You have 100% control on how you respond, though. And if you're using exercise, if you're using hunting, if you're using reading, if you're using church, if you're using altruism, if you're using volunteerism, if you're losing, using Netflix or Hulu to try to ignore and soothe your pain, you're just creating more pain and trouble for yourself and it won't go well. Maybe you're using anger. I think a lot of times when, when I hear people say, well, my husband's addicted to anger or my wife's addicted to anger, what, what they don't realize is they're not actually addicted to it. They're just, that's the only thing that they know to use to try to soothe their pain. And it doesn't work, obviously, so it catches up with them and they get into trouble. Healing comes when we admit we have a problem and most of the time we can't handle it on our own. And then we move forward. And I'm telling you, if, I, if, you, if you're sitting out there and you're like, man, I tried counseling and it didn't work for me. First of all, I want you to know I'm sorry about that. But I could introduce you to so many people that when they stopped trying to ignore their pain or soothe it in a way that wasn't helpful, that actually caused more disease, they found healing. It does come back to the three questions that I've brought up in earlier episodes. What do you want? What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to risk? What happens is, here's the, here's the rub, I think. The what I want is I want the pain to stop, but I'm not willing 
to pay re-engaging the pain to make it heal. It's like I have a broken bone, but I don't want to hurt when you said it. Well, that isn't how it works. I've had more than my fair share of broken bones. And they all get set and they all hurt when they set it. In fact, they hurt for days, but that's how you heal. What are you willing to risk? Well, I might engage in this and I might uncover more things. I might find more pain. You might. And then you'll have to process that. That's how this works. And that's how you get healthy. All right, so we ran out of time. I will try to cover the question on drugs and kids uh, next week. And what I mean by drugs and kids is not like illegal drugs. I mean like mood-enhancing drugs and kids next week. Hopefully this episode was helpful to you. Please let me know what you think. You can reach me at joemartino.com. You can hit contact me. I also have a page just for this podcast. That is joemartino.com forward slash podcast. Or you can just Twitter me at joemartino. Whatever works for you, let me know. If you find value in this, share it with your friends. I want to thank you so much for listening. I know you could spend your time any way that you liked. Uh, there's a lot of options out there and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me, to giving me one of your most valuable things, which is time. I appreciate that so much. If you found value in this, would you share it on your social media? Would you share it with your friends? I want to get the word out to as many people as I can at no cost. You'll never hear commercials on this. You'll never hear advertisers coming in. I want this to be something that we can give to as many people as possible and help them find emotional and mental wellness. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.